And that's hard to get out. So just chill, throw your feet up, whatever. Get comfortable. Don't, okay. don't run it up and down your zipper. <laughs> not not on your pants. I mean, like, if you... <laughs> I'm still talking about the microphone. <laughs> don't run. Little did you know, eat a dick. Welcome, welcome. Party people in the house. Welcome to the real world. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to RC Heli Nation version. 2.0. I am Nick. This is episode number 204. As you guys hear, Dan is not with us tonight, feeling a little bit under the weather. So we uh, we wish him the best and hope he gets better soon. I have the other two clowns to the circus here with me. Uh, Mr. Justin Pucci and Jesse Salmonson. Say hi, boys. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. Nick, you're sounding a little stiff tonight, dude. I know, dude. A little, like, uh, a little stiff. I was like, he's wow. got his, he's got his brandy out. and his pipe. Oh, he's sitting in a leather chair. Like, oh, good evening, in everybody. front of the fire. Good evening. So I was trying Jesse, to crank he up. has plaid slippers on. Oh yeah, and a, it's, and a he's off the evening deep end. robe. He's gone nuts. Silk drawers. Still, oh, yeah. oh, wow, dude. Now, I'm not going to complain Okay, there. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to point back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no one's going to complain what about What color that, are but... they, though? That's the thing. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I, God, I was going to make a joke there, but it was so inappropriate. I know. Was, I oh. know. I know. That's okay. That's okay. We're um, only one minute in. You got to ease into it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it would have not been easing. No. Uh-uh. Ooh. Would have been like the first time. Well, never mind. No, don't worry about that. Ah, well, that's another story for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was trending, you know, I get accused of maybe being a little bit, oh, what's the word? Crash. Crass sometimes. A little, little too abrupt. So I was trying to be a little bit more professional with my intro. Yeah, oh. it didn't work. Yeah, it did work for me. <laughs> go back to being a douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just go back to your normal. Your douchey self. Yeah. Great. So yeah, episode two hundred four, man. It's been, uh, it's see, we had a week off once again. Yeah, we did. Dude. Yeah, it was. We were we doing did. the we were doing the Sagebrush Smackdown, Brett Bowen's event. Yeah, not over not in a Richland. Bad event. Yeah, it's like a dance. Not a bad event. Uh, a little windy on Saturday, but it's beautiful but, out there. Yeah, it's a you know you look at the aerial map, it's. It's pretty easy to find. It's the only green patch for miles. <laughs> in, possibly in eastern Washington altogether. Yeah, possibly within, I mean, yeah, square miles. Yeah. <laughs> now the field is really, really nice. So. It's a beautiful field. Absolutely beautiful. Great, great spot. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as far as the location and everything, it's, it's a ways from us, but I really enjoyed the field. It was small, you know, not big, but... It gave me a, an opportunity to, you know, kick back and just, boy, we, I mean, we relaxed. It was fun. I flew a ton on Friday. Ooh, now, boy. can you quantify a ton? It's more than half and a ton. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm actually curious because you said this to me, too. I mean, as you'll find out in a few minutes, I was not there on Friday. I came on Saturday. 
Now nah, well, you and Jesse I'm, were there on Friday. I oh, yeah. I really feel like I got I probably got a solid twenty in on Friday. Just on Friday? Yeah. Jesse is that is that uh, he might be stretching. Maybe maybe fifteen? Uh, yeah, I would say closer to fifteen. Okay. But but I did a lot I did the most flying that I've done oh, yeah. at an event in a long time. I mean, I just kept going out there and flying and flying. Well, any I mean, coming from our event where we have to, like, run the thing, yeah. any amount of flying is a lot of flying. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> it was really nice. I mean, uh, yeah, just, just a good deal. S- Saturday was definitely a, a lot more BSing. I was fighting that. Dude, okay, the damn the tail problem came back. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Uh, this is such a good story. I, Let me get my drink real quick. Yeah, I did. be good. I desoldered another motor bullet um, opposite. So it was the motor side of the same bullet on the speed controller. So I'm like, now what, what did I ask you, Nick, when did when you, you resolder all of them the first time? Yeah. And I said, and no, did you No. fix the problem? One. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, okay, well, there we go. And then I go back up, and it still had the problem. But but you gotta you gotta give me a little credit here. Oh, Jesse's like, what was the first? You're like, man, this is so weird. I'm having these little tail symptoms, and the hell is just acting strange. And I was kind of like, yeah, about like you know three weeks ago when he had a motor bullet come unsolved. And I'm thinking, no way. He's what like, are the no chances? freaking way? So sure enough, I go back there, start pulling it apart, and. There it was. Thought I had the other smoking gun. Yeah. Fixed that. Same thing. Went back out. Same problem. And I'm like, dude. So I went back in, tore them all apart again, and they were all good this time. I'm going, oh, geez. Here we go. You know, ensue. Uh, Justin, what, what what episode number was that? Our troubleshooting episode. Three or four? Dig it in. Yeah, it was it was the most recent one. It was four. Yep, yeah, four. So here we go. Shooting one oh one. Here it goes. Okay, down the list. And the the most obvious thing was to swap tail servos. Uh but I'm trying to keep the other one flying. And so I, I swap it over, n- no change. Wow, crap. So now we're down to basically a fly barless system and the speed controller. And I never got to that point <laughs> well wait wait didn't what what happened when i mean dude from my perspective a whole chain of events oh occurred. man yeah, oh, yeah. There, okay. there was like multiple I, remember when swapping. i took one of your motors apart yeah so i then so i started dinking around with this thing and this was on the three blade but in the meantime the good part was you know the five cell 70 is like the most freaking solid machine on the planet it just gets flown and my whole goal was to get the tail problem was on the two blade and I really wanted to fly the two blade uh, because I wanted to start working on my autos more again. So that's what I was kind of, and finally I'm like, screw this. I'm going to swap over uh, the three blade stuff to the two blade airframe so that I can continue to fly the two blade. Well, then I get it all swapped over and I totally forget that like the settings that we had from the fun fly were still in there. So I think Brian was the last guy. I went up there to go do a Piro, and I think I did four of them before I even realized what happened. Whoa. Yeah, wow. So I had to retune it. And there was just a bunch of like, oh, crap, I forgot this. And and then in swapping everything 
then I decided to really find this problem, and I ended up swapping guts. And I uh, sure enough, I copied all my settings over from one V bar to the other, thinking in my mind that like, okay, I've copied all my settings. But you know dumbass, where this is headed, folks. Oh yep. yes. Then dumbass was like, well. Dude, I got there to go to take off, and it's got like three degrees of positive pitch. I'm like, what the fuck? And, you know, oh, hey, guess what? Now you got to redo all the servos and stuff and all your throws. Ah, crap. Okay, so I bring it back in. Then I go to go out there again, and I had, or no, first. That was first. That, that was second. The first was, hey, dummy, you got a mini V-bar on one and a full size on the other, and the sensors are not in the same direction. So yeah, we had a little oops. Not a little tip over. Little tip over. Not a big deal. Thank God, the greatest servo horns on the planet, which are the SAB ones, saved the day, and they broke. I mean, it's awesome. I love those servo horns. So yeah, it was a it was a day of flying with a five seventy, flying with the two blade, and pretty much monkey humping the three blade all day long. <laughs> To to come to find out that, and then it started doing some really weird stuff. I went out there, picked it up off the ground, did a pyro. Okay, did a quick pitch pump. And it, oh, Jesse, I could you even explain what it did? Uh, not really. It was just like it's... the biggest, craziest head jerk, tail jerk. I mean it. Like full on, it's failure. Land it right now. It's gonna. It's gonna. Eat bl- itself. It's gonna eat itself. It's a spasm. So, <laughs> what we kind of concluded, which was that my mini V bar, which has been through hell and back, and may have seen better days, and bought used, bought used, and then I put it through hell and back. Um, I think it has finally. Uh, left the scene of the accident but but that is yet to be confirmed yet to be confirmed i forgot to steal one from jesse i did i'll have to deliver that to you yeah so once i get that i'll confirm it then put a neo on it so i was kind of bummed that the the three blade wasn't wasn't rocking the way that i wanted it to but i did have a lot of flying i did get to go out there and kind of stretch my wings and mess around with some autos and get some autos back so that was nice my, I had no complaints with uh, my flying or the amount or how my flying was going for that. And that was a goal, right? Yeah, that was the goal. It was to go out there and just oh. fly. It, it felt really, really good. Yeah, so I, what did you think about the event, Jesse? Oh, personally, I mean, kind of like you mentioned, it, it was a smaller event, especially coming off Snohomish and our fun fly, but those smaller events, you kind of get that... I don't know, laid back, personal feel. It's just kind of hanging out at the field with all your buddies, right? Just it feels like a typical Saturday or weekend flying at the field. So, and and I kind of decided to take a slightly different approach. Actually, it was kind of all the fun flies this year. I don't think I went to a single fun fly where it wasn't kind of a like a a family type camping trip or event or. You know, we always, I always brought more people, I guess, with than what I'm used to. So for this one, uh, my parents and my sister tagged along. And, you know, another trip in the motorhome, putting the, the second. We got through the maiden voyage, going to the RCHN fun fly down to Dayton. And then 
decided to tackle the the pass heading up and over oh the yeah so <laughs> just uh, sitting there fingers crossed held steady at about 45 miles an hour just i just kept you know kept drinking the fuel and it kept going please don't so. blow up please don't blow up please don't blow up <laughs> hey, it did it did good i was i was amazed so you know taking the, the motorhome out for the second time and still just really really loving the setup i mean every single time we get in that thing i just look at kayla and i go you know this is, we're screwed. We are absolutely screwed. Yeah. Well, why, why is that? I'm like, we're freaking motorhome people. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. right, dude. It just means that you're going to spend I mean, more and more money as you get older. Yeah. We yeah, might I mean, be some so, of the youngest, too. I mean, I, I don't. And I, I look, you got, yeah, Nick, Nick and his family and myself, and we're just convoying over the past. Uh, of- <laughs> I think there was even a comment about the Griswold. <laughs> Oh yeah, I said you could call me Mr. Griswold. This thing's, you know, I don't care though. It's dude, it's a blast, and it's, it's been it's rubbing a, off because Marnie looked at both of yours again and was like, "Now, now, every time we pass one on like the city streets, <laughs> driving around town, they're like, oh, well, what about that? That's kind of a nice one.' Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm. We are absolutely just still pinching ourselves, you know, loving the setup, being able not just to take a shower thing and the appliances and the fridge and all that type of stuff but just the simple stuff like having my parents come along and it has two queen beds in it and just just it makes it just seems like it makes the weekend a lot more enjoyable so we're really liking the motorhome setup so that was awesome to have and it did did great um throughout the whole weekend but for the fun fly i'm right there with nick friday was awesome the weather was great it was t-shirt and shorts really really good weather i don't know exactly what the temperature was and nearly no wind and i probably got in maybe two less flights than nick two or three so i was in that 12 13 flight range um, both on the n7 and the e7 so just kind of going back and forth switching it up really going back and focusing on tuning i'm um, actually learned some stuff with the v-bar i hadn't really brought this up before but for some reason the e7 I hadn't been able to get the rates out of it that I was really going for. And it was weird because we had always talked, oh, fly barless system. It's you set this number and it must correlate to like a degrees per second with the heli. And I think as you found as well, Nick, with certain helis, it it just doesn't pan out. You really got to throw that whole agility value or the flip and roll rate kind of out the window. At least what I found with V-Bar and have to go off of feel. And so I was really just going back and working through the E7 and trying to get all the rates dialed in and the field dialed in that I want, messing with Paddle Sim, Expo, and overall agility and whatnot. And so spent a lot of time on Friday just going through all of that. Um, and then Saturday, as you also mentioned, it was a little bit more windy. And I'm not I'm not going to lie, I didn't get in a single friggin' flight on Saturday. Dude got zero <laughs> Seriously? It, None. Oh, no. I, I thought I was compl- for sure I had maybe missed you going up and flying. No, no, I'm not even going to lie about it. I mean, it, I got in zero and Damn. I was completely okay because at noon I was sitting there with a beer in my hand going, I'm going to fun fly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm camping. He went from like, uh, you know, full work mode at our fun fly to I ain't doing shit at this fun fly. And, uh, you know. I wasn't gonna push it. I'm like, you're no, you're, I, you're going for the zero total today, and he's just sitting there with a okay. big grin, like, yeah, and I'm cool with it. I'm like, hey, man, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm here to hang out with my buddies and have a good time, and 
right now it's it's windy. I don't feel like flying and I'm still having a good time. So just kind of rolled with it and went with that. But overall as a whole experience, yeah, I think the fun fly was was a lot of fun. Just really laid back and got that kind of like I said, just hanging out at the field with your buddies. So those events are always nice to go to, especially coming off some of the other events that we've been to this year where you are working, you're tired and you're hundred percent effort all day long. Your motor just never turns off. And so going to some stuff like that, it's just a really nice change of pace. And I think, I I really think you need both types of events in in a season. You can't be all huge events all the time. You got to have that balance. Yeah. So it was a good weekend. As you know, 2015 has been a big year for BK Designs. They've grown tremendously and are now distributing BK servos, switchblades, and Spartan flybarless systems. Bert and Susie provide top-notch customer support, and we're honored that they've chosen to help support us here at RC Alienation. As if that wasn't enough, they've decided to say thank you to all of our listeners for the support you guys have given them. If you head over to www.bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN, you'll find a special page just for our listeners where you will receive 20% off of your next order. Thank you again to BK Designs for being so generous to the listeners of RC Alienation. And again, that's www.bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Justin, you made it out there. Yeah, I did. This, uh, as I said on on the last episode, this was sort of a last minute thing for me. Um, This was actually partially motivated by a suggestion by my wife, Marnie, who was like, oh, well, you know, Nick and Jesse and their families are going. We should go. And I couldn't complain. So, so we went, um, you know, unfortunately we both had to work on Friday. And so, uh, we, we headed out Friday afternoon, Friday evening, didn't actually get into town until close to midnight Friday. And we had rented a hotel cause you know, I'm bringing my wife and my three-year-old son. So we're not doing the whole camping thing. And unfortunately we don't have the RV yet, but it worked out perfectly fine. Uh, rolled in about midnight. Actually, uh, I took the same approach that that you mentioned, Jesse, which was this one was going to be a fun fly. Emphasis on the fun, and by fun I mean relaxation. And so we like slept in until eight or eight thirty. Rolled out of bed, took a shower, went to Starbucks, got coffee, ate some breakfast, rolled up to the field around I don't know ten. 10 o'clock Saturday morning and um, just kind of hung out. And, you know, it was windy. It was super windy. And in fact, I don't think I actually got a flight in until when did the wind break? Probably around mm. four, five, maybe yeah. toward towards the early evening. It was I mean, the sun was definitely on its way down by the time I started flying. But I was perfectly OK with it. I mean, you know, first of all, you got to you got to set the stage here. Uh, It's a beautiful field. It is smaller than, you know, for example, what uh, we had at our fun fly. But it's a gorgeous field. Great, nice green grass um, out in the middle of what is otherwise 
barren desert. Um, and it, it's like a little, it's, it's like a little backyard, dude. Like they have the little covered area with the picnic benches. Nick had his trailer out there. We had a few pop-ups on the other side of it. We had Larry and Jamie show up from outlaw grill mm-hmm. from two weeks ago at our fun fly. And I felt like I was at like a backyard party, just like barbecuing and hanging out. And I honestly couldn't have cared less about not getting all that much flying in. Um, all the typical Pacific Northwest crew was there. We had Dieter. He brought his daughter. Uh, who else do we have? Brett, Tomas, Austin, Lottie. Sean, Lottie, Tomas. Yeah, George. Mm-hmm. Just the whole. Uh, we even had Tim and Al from Snohomish. Uh, Daniel. So it was really great. It it just kind of felt like a nice, relaxed atmosphere. Uh, I ended up bringing another U-Haul trailer this hmm. time. You know, Marnie and I were talking. And we're like, well, I, I, I'm putting I, I said, dear, the helis are going in the car. I mean, you can try to fit whatever you'd like in the car after the helis go in. <laughs> And so we kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, I'll call U-Haul. So I rented another four by eight, you know, 15 bucks a day. What's the big freaking deal? It cost me like $50 with tax to bring that thing. And I too braved the, the pass going up the mountain nice. and uh, it, it worked out quite well. The XB, I think, was able to sort of chug along at 50 to 55 miles an hour without much problem. And, uh, you know, brought the pop-ups and chairs and some other stuff. The heli sat in the car. But I'm sold, dude. Uh, We are already talking about just getting one, actually buying one and converting it into a heli trailer type thing. That way, uh, it's easier for me to go to and from the field. And when they start coming to fun flies, I don't even have to worry about where are we going to fit all of our stuff. So I think I'm looking at like a four by six, not a four by eight, because it gets me to a little bit lower weight, uh, which gives me more margin to customize. And then I'm going to do uh, some sort of a rail system where I can actually slide the helis in and out and secure them. And I'll actually have enough room to sleep, too, if it is a Vino's. So I am pricing things out right now. That will be probably be one of my winter projects. That you can tow nice. with your new motorhome next year. Yeah. Well, okay, so <laughs> that conversation came up too. <laughs> yes. And um, you know, the the first observation Marnie makes is damn, Nick and Jesse have nice motorhomes. We need to get one of those. And then the second observation was, but we need to move into a house with enough property to actually keep it there. So in, in, in that two, two sentence conversation, she's got me buying an RV and a new house. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, You're Whoa. like, all right. I love this hobby. And yeah, you end up yeah, buying a new house crazy? so that you can store your yeah. motorhome it's like so that you can drive it to fun flies it is anything reasonable just goes straight out the window so it's like this is the most unreasonable dude. thing i've heard of in my life yeah. like, like and you tell a normal person this and they say you need help that's yeah. not me saying it that's my wife saying that's it. Yeah. what makes well, it that's awesome. even better that's right 
That's even better. I could just see all the husbands are going to be like, dude, dear, come here. You have to listen to L- this. Listen to this. Listen see, to this. I'm not the only crazy guy. Yeah. It's totally true, man. It's totally true. Oh, the things we'll rationalize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? I just have to, I have to give a sincere thank you to you and, and, uh, and your wives <laughs> for, enabling uh a situation that my wife could sort of step into and realize uh that we're missing something no one wants to be left out right that's right yeah that's absolutely right so we'll we'll see how that turns but you know out, what's but... funny we do all that and then i turn around and it's like uh i need to buy a new speed controller I'm not spending three hundred dollars on no stupid ass speed control. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I'm like, dude, you you just buy a Contronic, and you're like, nah, dude, I'm going with a Castle. Nah, <laughs> nah, I gotta go over here and spend thirty k on this motorhome, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are starting off considerably smaller than that. I mean, the I've been pricing out the four by sixes, and a new one is like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. So even even in the grand scheme of things of like the hobby, that's that's like it, one of my airframes, right? If that. Yeah. So no big deal. Yeah, not too bad. So is this going to just be like a fun fly type trailer or do you think it'll be kind of a ready to go parked, loaded up and you'll just kind of hook up to it and go sort of a thing to the field on the weekends? You know, I, I, I think it's going to be more like that jesse where i basically mm-hmm. just throw the helis in it and go um i i've got all sorts of ideas going through my head and you know how i can customize it and what i can do with it and such so we'll see uh i gotta get it first and then see how yep. the whole thing evolves but i'm excited uh, it, it'll be something nice. cool to play with over the winter nice yeah so uh, you know that that was a cool feature of the trip and then of course we did uh I did eventually get flying in, got a couple of speed runs in. Uh, Dieter was excited about uh, me showing up so that he could fly his R5, which he had won two weeks previously at our fun fly. Um, I went out and flew my R5 and actually made a new personal record on it, which is about 148 miles an hour on one pass uh, and 130s to low 140s on some of the others. He went out, and uh, I don't know if it was a personal record or not, but he flew it for about 38 seconds, then attempted to land it and tipped it over. <laughs> yep. Curse that heli. Now, here's the deal. It's not that freaking difficult. I don't... I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, I Maybe I... <sighs> I don't like the landing gear. Yeah, it does not look. No one fun likes to speed landing land. gear. WTF, dude! I it just doesn't look stable enough for all fields. Yeah, that's okay. It didn't hurt There's anything. No way up. You'll no, get it, Peter. Fly, I'm just giving you live. a hard time. Well, I know because <laughs> Nick tipped over my 380 at public. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's no way that thing would live. It'd be done. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you just have to get like a wooden board or something to take off and land on. I'd take it off off the street. Yeah, that yeah, works. That works to the street. Asphalt. Yeah. Uh, and then let's see. Night flying. Got some night flying in. Uh, nothing major. 
mainly just cutting foliage down as opposed to actually flying. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but I felt compelled to chop up all of the bushes on the back end of the front or flight line. But not the one just to the left of the windsock. Yeah. Jesse, I so wanted to go to the one on the left of the windsock. I really did. Yeah, this... That's something else we should note. This field had hazards. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, big sprinklers and a windsock and all on the other side, you know, about 50, 100 feet deep in the in the flying field. There was another fence there. Yep. And all this stuff along the back. So you really had to be careful when you're flying. And then on the back side of that, it actually dipped down like 20 mm -hmm. or 30 feet off. So you could teabag it. (laughs) That's yeah, that's do we have a is oh go ahead, Jesse. I was just gonna say Justin is the weather looking crappy down there like it is up here tomorrow. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean today was my day off windy. Here's the story of my life. Today's my my one Friday off every other week. Mm -hmm. It rains from basically when I woke up and brought my son to school until about one or two. And then there's a freaking no-fly thing from the FAA because Obama is in town from like 3.15 until 8 o'clock tonight. And it stopped raining at about 3. I'd fly anyway. So that that was the end of that. No flying today. And then this weekend, it's like 80 to 100% chance of rain. Yeah, it looks it's horrible. Bad. Same here. Not yep. good here. Oh, well. Yeah. Eh. Oh, well. Fall, winter, it's arrived. It has arrived. I'm excited to mm-hmm. get working on some stuff and tearing some stuff down. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't decided on my winter project yet. I'm not, I'm, I'm just not quite sure. I think something might involve the 500. I'm, Ooh. I'm tempted on getting the, the 500 sport and just swapping everything over uh, and, and doing kind of a dedicated speed heli. Dude, you gave me my mm. goblin speed back. I did because I, I'm just so not. It's like I figured I would go into this winter knowing exactly what I was going to build this winter, but I'm, I'm really, just kind of not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. We were thinking about maybe doing some crazy weird projects and mixing parts around and making some custom custom goblins. I don't know. I just, who knows? It is what it is. You want to know what I think I might be building this winter? What? Well, okay, hold on. Let's start with what I won't be building this winter. And that is my Hensel at TDR2. Because the most recent announcement pushed it back by another month, I believe, um, to December. Now, when it was supposed to come out in July, I was on the early 2016 list. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's pushed back by like six months, so I think I'm on the not a snowball's chance in hell I can compete with it at Urcha Speed Cup list, Ah, which is Ah. a little frustrating, but we will see how it goes. What I may be building, on the other hand, is a new 750 to 800 because I am rapidly running out of excuses to not buy the MSH Protos Max V2. I think you should. Uh, I'm struggling with this one because, I I mean, everything points to yes. But I don't know. 
I, I've still got sort of a soft spot for the 770. And if I do, if I do pull the trigger, the 770 gets stripped and benched. It doesn't get sold until I've gotten an opportunity to fly the Protos on the same gear and make a determination as to which one I like better. Yeah, and then yeah. whichever one I don't like will go away. Nice. But I don't know. We'll see. Cool, man. Hey, uh, do we have any news? We do. Let's, uh, let's do some news. Awesome. We're chopping online for heli parts. Two most important considerations we look for are selection and customer service. LowerHeli.com not only has the selection you need to get your helis back in the air, Ken also prides himself on having the best customer service in the business. I recently made a purchase with Ken at LowerHeli.com, was anxiously awaiting the arrival of some new heli tools. When it didn't show up, I gave Ken a call without hesitation. He was willing to send me another package, even though the tracking confirmed delivery. I told Ken to hold off for a day or two, and sure enough, the post office found my package and got it to me. This just goes to show LowerHeli.com is willing to go the extra mile for you. If you want great selection and excellent customer service, www.LowerHeli.com. That's where you'll be. Alrighty. Uh, We still don't even know. Who's (laughs) this? This week's news is brought to you by... No, I'm going to make it up. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. This week's news... Is brought to you by our killer web guide, Dude Man Larry, uh, for helping us. We have a cool. Our goal is to do a new website over the winter. That's our goal. Ooh, secrets out. Secrets out because our <laughs> sucks. Now, it's too slow. What poor bank is going to be missing a lot of money in order to make this happen? This we're not one. sure. Yeah, we're not sure. So we might have we haven't to figured rob. out which one we're going to rob yet. We're either robbing a bank or putting Justin on the corner. Yeah. And oh, I think we're going Justin for the bank. Justin on the corner. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, oh, I, you're going to go for uh, I see how it is, Jesse. You throw me on the corner and then you doubt my skills. <laughs> <laughs> I will make the shit sure. out of some money, dude. <laughs> it was it was a motivational tactic. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <Okay. laughs> yes. Uh, I feel right. dirty. I so, feel really. Uh, yeah, that was... Brought to you by Larry at superiority.com. That's right. And go. thank you for all of your past support over all these years with our crappy website. He keeps it going. So, Justin, hit me with some news, man. Okay. First bit of news. Uh, Brought to you by the fine listeners in our Heli Freak Listeners Corner. Uh, The, I believe this is a Chinese company. You will have heard of them before. They go by the name of All Z RC. And they have released an SAB Goblin 380 clone. Did you guys see this? Yes, I did. Uh, You know, finally, I can freaking afford one. It Uh, is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well played, Jesse. It is uncanny. Uh, I I mean, just looking at the photos, I don't. 
I can't really tell the difference. And in fact, they've got some pretty cool features. Like they've got some red anodized aluminum bits. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say with the picture whether the carbon fiber is quality, but even the Goblin 380 carbon fiber is like 1.5 mil. So it's nothing super heavy duty. Looks like it's got the same locking battery tray. Uh, it comes standard with the metal servo mounts as opposed oh. to the plastic ones. I wonder, do you think they give you include that Goblin battery strap? <laughs> the oh, actual, oh, that's hey, good, good. You know good what? Catch, dude. Maybe I it know. does. I wonder if they give that. Maybe to you. it doesn't say goblin. It says goblin. <laughs> yeah, or garbin. <laughs> garbin. It's a garbin strap. Garbin. It's a garbin strap. Right. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, hey, we've we've done. Actually, I think we've done a couple of shows on clones, or at least topics within a number of shows on clones, and. Uh, everyone's got a different view on it. It is what it is. My gut feel is it's not going to impact SAB at all because they are such a freaking freight train right now with this market that, uh, they're just going to keep on trucking. But, uh, if you're interested, give it a look. Okay. Next one. Gowie has recently released some photos on Facebook uh, of what appears to be a three-bladed head. Uh, not a lot of detail here. Uh, they kind of did what they typically do, where they sent a camera phone picture of a computer screen showing a 3D solid model <laughs> of a three-blade head. <laughs> So it's like thrice removed, right? And then they say, oh, oh, what's this? With like eight question marks. Um, you know, a lot of speculation. Most people think it's the X7. I would tend to agree given how it looks. Could be the X3 or the X5. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it sounds like they are catching up with SAB in terms of having that three blade release. Incidentally, uh, we've not heard anything from a line in terms of three blade, have we? No, I, I, I'm. Mm, I got to be so. honest. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen it yet. I. You think that they've finally I, sort of given up and no. they are focusing more on building a a Dyson killing vacuum? Yeah. <laughs> I think that I. My guess is a lot of manufacturers were like. Right off the bat, oh, we can go build one. And so they did. But then they quickly came across what, in my opinion, is the biggest hurdle, which I was actually having a pretty good conversation um, with someone at the Funfly about it, is the tail. It's not just the head. You, when you increase that amount of torque uh, capability that well, you're creating on the rest of the helicopter, you have to be able to get the tail to hold. Mm-hmm. And yeah, was, with a torque tube, that's extremely difficult because you can't just swap a tail pulley like you can on the Goblin. Now, Jesse, in the case of his, there's different gear ratios, but mm -hmm. but Matt designed it that way from the beginning. Um, It is really hard, Justin, obviously you know this, it is really hard to take an existing model with... Yeah. Uh, you know, with a tail boom block that's a, a pre-molded part 
and put a different set of gear ratio, you know, a different gear ratio inside. Yep. That's really hard to do. And you, you know, so now you're, you're forced to go to, uh, to a three blade tail and then, okay, am I going to go same size tail blades? Cause you can't, you know, you can't, uh, gear it up like we do with the goblins and then run smaller tail blades. It's just, it's a lot more complicated than people think. Well, I got uh, maybe a slightly different perspective. Do you think that maybe Align or and other companies maybe didn't jump on it because they just don't think it's going to take off? I think that is absolutely that's, a, that's an interesting fair. point, Jesse. It seems like it's been out long enough now that man, if that was going to be like the new craze, that we'd it'd be everywhere by now. But I just feel like it it came out and it kind of stayed in that novelty. I think you're like right. Classification. I, it's sort of a niche. I think that's fair. And and I mean, really, it seems like the only people that feel like it's justified to to hold on to, right? To to really refleet mm-hmm. their helis are yep. the people that are capable of extracting its full potential. Yeah, and for everyone else, for blade. all of the mere mortals, it's sort of kind of just like, oh, that feels kind of cool. Uh, yeah. But when I crash it, it costs me 33% more. And that's a really fair, uh, you yeah. know, I think that if there would not have been, uh, and you know, Justin, I'm even going to say that I don't think it's a crash cost thing behind it. Yeah, that's a fair there point. Are I some, mean, that's one factor, right? There are some honest, genuine, negative things that come along with it. That, And it's not, this is not a negative like SAB thing. This is what you are going to get. You are going to get a less efficient helicopter. So you are going to lose flight time. Flight not time. A, You know, depending on setup, it might not be a lot, but it is there. It is not going to auto-rotate as good, period. End of story. It's harder on everything. Yeah. Yeah, you do need to be much more aware. Those 120s that you were flying with before, now if you're going to really honk on it, which is fun, uh, you really have to be careful when you're running the smaller speed controller. So there's just, there are things that inherent negative tendencies that come along with it that make it to where if you can't fly hard enough to get all of it out of it, it can really put it in a weird teetering point. That personally, that's why I didn't go all in with all my models. I love my three blade and I will absolutely 100% keep a three blade. For sure, like no question, yeah. I love it. It's a blast to fly, but it's it's different. It's yeah. ju- it's just different. It's That's just the only different. way you can yeah. put it. It's just different. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it's, be- you know, this is like our old fly barless system discussion. Which one is better? Well, it's it's what you right. want to get out of it. I'm just yeah. going to say this is different. I love it for what it is, and I will Another keep option. it because of what it how it feels. But I don't, I'm not going to convert all of mine to that. Yeah, I, I think once I get around to finishing the rebuild on the 380, I may throw a three blade head on it. But I'm I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm a little taken aback by the price on that kit. It's like 230 bucks. Oh, for, for a, the 380. For a 380 upgrade kit. Yeah. Jeez. Damn. Hmm. But for those Gowie owners who are diehards and want to give a three-blade head a try, 
you know, stay tuned. See what they come up with here. Maybe we'll see it by the holiday season. Okay. Last bit of news, and and I, I'd consider this kind of news of the week. So, uh, Venlo is sort of a famous place in the hobby, right? Venlo Holland uh, is where the 3D World Cup has been held, or the 3D Cup, as it's been referred to in the past. Um, they did this for three years straight, I believe, 2010 through 2012, maybe 2013, uh, and then it stopped. Now they're bringing it back in July of 2016. So the same organizers who brought you the original 3D cup are bringing the, it's now called the global 3D cup 2016, July 1st through 3rd in Venlo, Holland. And it's going to be the same, uh, same style of competition, same format. Basically they will have, set maneuvers they will have a freestyle uh flight flight to music and then uh, both synchro and nightfly competitions now i i gotta admit i'm not too uh clear on what the synchro is i would bet that's like a is that a tandem or something do you guys know what do they mean by synchro flight competition it, that's gotta be a a tandem Two pilots flying. Yeah, that's judged on how synchronous how they are. synchronized the routine is. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, another competition on the global scene for those people who are capable of of competing at that level. Cool, cool. Nice. That it. That's all I got. I have one more bit of news. Ooh, yeah. So. We are, uh, next week, I will be giving you guys the full spiel on the GT500, uh, which is cool. I've been had enough time now to play with that, use that charger um, in kind of all aspects of it. I've got, <laughs> you know, i give you a little heads up. I've mentioned the simplicity of it. Um, I ha- My son is now using it as well. So my seven-year-old son is charging his car batteries with it and completely understands and knows how to use it. That's what they were going for with this. I think they did a great job. So next week, I'll be giving you the full review on that. But right behind it, we have one for sure. And the next one, we're just going to kind of leave. We've got it. I just need, uh, how do I put it? We're going to be doing a review on it. It is uh, it it is a hundred percent definite. Yep. We're waiting for some final let's call it finishing touches. Yep. That's how new it is, which is yep. really cool. But um so what we are gonna be starting on is I will be starting on uh the DT five twenty review. Now this is a helicopter made by Darton. They've been out for a while. We've talked about them in the past. But you know, we had um we had people going like, "Hey, have you guys really seriously checked these out?" Like I know that they're not big name, but dude, they're really good helicopters. So we looked into it a little bit and it was like, "Wow, you know, kind of like the design on them." All right. No one really had anything negative to say about them. And and then with all of the uh 
people accusing me of being a little bit shameless with my SABness. <laughs> Rightfully so, in my opinion, guess. You're good. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah, we thought it was perfect to give this one to Nick. <laughs> I figured that I would throw it back in everyone's face and be like, you know what? Absolutely. Uh, I would love to do the review on this. So we're going to do the review on the DT520. I picked up um, some. I picked up some of the new uh, BK Coreless servos, the brand new ones that Bert's got out to throw in there. So we're gonna put those inside there. And uh, man, I'm excited. And then on top of that, this I'll give you a hint. The next review that's coming right behind it is gonna actually be a fly barless system. So that is gonna go in here as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to really, you know, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to round this bitch. <laughs> and that that review is going to be <laughs> that's going to be a two part review. That's going to be Nick for 3D and me for speed on that system. Uh, yep. Justin's going to get it and put it on the do the whole speed thing. So yep. I want to say thank you to Shannon over at Only Fine Helis uh, for giving us the opportunity to do the review on the DT520. And uh, so looking forward to pictures and updates and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I, I got to say, I mean, I, I, I as you mentioned, Nick, the, I think people have heard of the DT before, at least for the last year. And uh, when I was at Urcha, I ran into our good friend Mark Jenkins, who uh, flies on team only fine helis for Shannon. Uh, and, and also Michael Ludke from Puerto Rico is mm -hmm. on the, on the same team. He's got a DT 700 okay. and, and was flying it a lot at our fun fly. But at Urcha, I sat down with Mark. I took a look at the 700 and the 520, uh, got an opportunity to, uh, talk to Shannon, uh, who is the owner of only fine helis and his, uh, son, Caleb, who is an absolutely amazing pilot. And uh, this model has some features that I think you guys are going to like. The listeners are going to be impressed, surprised by, uh, man, whether it's beginner or advanced. I, I think this is, a, this is a heli that people want to pay attention to for sure. Yep. So nice. I'm looking forward to what you have to say about it. Awesome. Justin, you want to take us out of the news? Yes, this week's news has been brought to you by Larry of Superiority.com. Uh, yeah, Larry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> cut, cut. Freaking uh, Larry. So sweet. Uh, yeah, dude, man, Larry. Freaking uh, freakin love that guy. Freaking love Jeez. Larry, man. Love you, bro. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It's going in the record. So smooth. Yeah. yeah I, right. I, well, I thought it went great, man. Yeah. Got the point across. Yeah. So we've got a pretty cool treat for you guys, but there is something that um, we need to make mention of first. Uh, we... Man, these sorts of times come around. It's never fun. It's never easy. But we just we have to make mention of it. So kind of bear with us. Uh, this last week, uh, we lost uh, an incredible person, someone who I know Dan, even though he's not here, 
you know, really had a pretty big impact on him. And I think this kid had a lot of impact uh, on a lot of people in the hobby. He'd been out of the hobby for a while, you know, and um, it's it's just a tough deal. Uh, Seth Killian is no longer with us. Um, for those of you guys who've been listening to the show, uh, Dan did an incredible interview with him in episode 18. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that. He, he was just an amazing kid uh, with, you know, such kind of a cool outlook and his story's incredible. So, you know, uh, it's, it's a huge loss. It's, it's beyond, it's beyond sad, but we really just, you know, we, we hope that, that Seth is in a better place and, uh, he's happy now. Uh, so I'd like to take a moment, um, and I think I'd just like to give him a moment of, uh, a moment of silence. Well, thank you everyone for sharing that opportunity with us. Again, our, our condolences go out to his family and his friends. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of sucks. I'm, I'm at a little bit of a loss for words, but mm. I'm, I know that everyone, you know, we all feel very honored and, and especially Dan feel honored to have been able to share some time with him, you know, to, uh, to hear, to hear his story. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible situation. Um, I, I I would I would go further to ask guys that, you know, if if you did listen to episode 18 and even if you didn't and you're going to go back and listen to it to the first for the first time, uh, you know, if if you feel something after that or you feel impacted by it, then do us a favor, you know, go on Facebook Mention mention Seth in some way on his Facebook wall or go to the Heli Freak uh, thread that we have uh, a listener by the name of Teacher Brent uh, set up a thread for for Seth on our listeners corner area. You know, just go in there and send your condolences and uh, uh, just, you know, send send those those good vibes. I, I think his family and his friends. Uh, would definitely appreciate that, and uh, uh, I think it's fitting given uh, the loss that we all have suffered here. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, we have uh, we got a pretty cool interview this week for everyone. A shy guy. It's not a song. I feel like that's a song. A I, I was going to say, I think I that sounds pretty, like, official. Yeah, but... Not anymore. One hell of a pilot. Holy cow. And I still get to call him a kid. Sorry, I know you're not a kid anymore, but uh, yeah, you're better than me and younger than me, so I get to call you call you kid. Do you? Guys, we have uh, Kyle Dahl with us this week. Uh, so again, thank you very much, Kyle, for coming on. Uh, let's go ahead and fire up that in. Yeah. 
Just when you thought that the guys at Soco Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soco Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soco Heli Tools mobile app. This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. This new mobile software will do everything that your original Soco kit did, but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the Soco team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out. Soco Heli Tools, next generation setup. All right, guys, I've got a treat for you. With us is a very special guest, one who, if you've ever been around him, been pretty much anywhere in this hobby, you know is uh, kind of a quiet fellow who tries to stay out of the media. But with us tonight, we have Mr. Kyle Dahl. Say hi, Kyle. Hey, guys. What's up? So we actually got you out. Yeah, you got me out of my little... A uh, cave that I'm normally in. <laughs> Your little comfort bubble. <laughs> yeah, comfort zone. Yeah. Breaking out. Yeah, I gotta tell you, when you when you showed up at the fun fly, you're pretty quiet. You're pretty yeah, quiet. That's pretty normal, especially when I'm around a new group of guys. But you know, after a, a while, I I tend to I tend to get more comfortable, and then I come out of my little shell. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you did. We had man, tell me that wasn't fun. Uh, it was a blast, like, hands down, one of the best, better of the events I've ever been to. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. We uh, we appreciate that. It, it was, it's fun. That's how we roll. People, you know, we've been telling everyone, like, West Coast style, staying up late, flying under the lights. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a completely different mentality than it is over on the East Coast. And that's, that's yeah. how we do it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been to events all over and yeah there's definitely a difference between east coast and west coast events and unfortunately it seems like there's less and less west coast events out there but i'm I'm glad that there's still the good ones out there that like your guys's so i have to start hitting more of those up yeah once upon a time i thought there were more west coast events but it seems like in the last year or two either they've died down or I, i don't know it's it's weird but you're right we gotta we got to get the the West Coast scene back up and active again. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, I, I agree. So, Kyle, okay, let's uh, let's rewind the clock way, 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 way back, and let us way know. Back. Yeah, way back. <laughs> since, since you've been pretty quiet and you're not one to get in the media all that much, um, when when did you start flying? Uh, I mean, I kind of grew up at the flying field because. So I've been around the hobby my whole life because, like, my parents had an agreement that they could do whatever they wanted as long as they took one of the kids, either me or my sister. So my mom took my sister to do quilting or whatever they do, and then my dad took me to the flying field. So I've been at the flying field since I was, uh, you know, in diapers, basically. But I started flying when I got my first airplane when I was four, I think. Wow. So, yeah. 
And then I was just a wee little tot. (laughs) A wee wee little tot. So what? I like that. (laughs) What did your dad fly helicopters? Yeah, my dad. I mean, he's been in the hobby his whole life, and he's done everything. You know, airplanes, gliders. At the time, he was doing helicopters, uh, pretty much exclusively. And you know, I just was always out at the field, just watching to hang out with my dad. You know, because that's where he took me. And then finally, a guy out at the field just gave me a uh, an airplane. It was a was it a Sig Cadet or something? I don't know if you guys know what that is. No, no, but that's like, okay. It's like a pretty popular airplane trainer for back in the day. But, it has uh, wings. Has wings. It, it yeah. does have wings. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So that was my first plane, and I flew that for a while until I I kind of broke it, but. <laughs> That I, happens. I broke, I broke it in the stupidest way too. Okay, okay do this, tell. Yeah, well, yeah you okay, you gotta story? go on. Did, now. You, <laughs> did you sit on it? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I liked flying the plane, but what I liked most was just taxiing it around on the ground. I don't know why. So, um, <laughs> the wing was held on. There was like a a post, and you rubber banded the wing on, right? Yeah. So I told my dad, I just want to go around and drive it around. And so he, he, the wing was already off, and he just started it up and let me just taxi it around on the ground without the wing. And I went to do a turn, and since there's no wing on it, it just went and rolled and rolled and tumbled and just <laughs> annihilated itself, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. You couldn't have stuck with an RC car. You had to yeah. drive around an, an airplane. A plane. Nice. I, I, I marched to my own drum. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. so so that was my first airplane. What what was the first heli? Uh, Raptor thirty. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, I, my dad got me one of those. I think for my Christmas when I was like seven or eight years old. Jeez, Raptor thirty. Yep, and, and I mean, like, it was a great heli. I mean, I I was on training gear for a long time. I don't know if I was just a slow learner or just had no concentration, but it took me like a long time to get off training gear and everything. But yeah, it was my first heli and it worked flawlessly. Oh, for back in the day. <laughs> well, yeah, for a Raptor 30. <laughs> for a Raptor. So, so it wasn't like this crazy instant thing where you picked no. up the transmitter and it was like that was it. No, it was like that moment came later when I was about 13. Because between, like I said, like eight years old when I started, I just, we kind of just flew on the weekends, like uh, just a casual Sunday sport. And then uh, we actually, we moved houses further away from the flying field where we went to. And the the nearest flying field uh, didn't allow helicopters, only they were, it was a glider field. So then we actually switched gears and did uh, gliders and sailplanes for six years. Oh wow! Hmm. You know, and we we had all the helis and stuff, but we never flew them. And it just, uh, yeah, we did the gliders for like six years, and you know, I kind of we were competing with those and everything, and it the hobby wasn't really that big part of my life. I had other stuff that I was doing, and uh, but then it got to I went to an event. We decided to throw an event in my hometown, Bakersfield, and uh, a helicopter event. And then we had Alan Zabo and I think Danny was there too and Ray Namovi and uh, Brandon Updike. 
a bunch of old school pilots like that. They all came to it, and I went there and I saw them flying the helis and stuff. And that's when I had the realization, like, man, that's that's what I want to do. So then I started. I got the helis. I dusted the helis off, got them out, and started practicing. And then that's when everything started flowing. So. Man, Zabo got another one. Yeah, I know. That dude's got so, more people in the mm. hobby than probably anyone else. Yeah, for real. It's not. So what um what age were did you start actually competing at? And what was your first competition? Uh I was fourteen. My first competition was the Las Vegas Align Ultimate three D Basher event. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was in two thousand eight. You know, me and my dad were kind of flying. I was starting to get more and more into the helicopters. And then my dad was looking on the forums and saw this competition. that, And we just decided, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it, you know. We had no idea what to expect or how to do anything. But we just went. And I practiced for it, made a routine. And then, yeah, went there and competed in that. And, and I competed in uh, the lower class, the advanced class, and uh-huh. uh, ended up winning it. And then ah. I was flying a Mikado at the time, a logo, like an old school logo 600 flyboard. Oh, wow. Yeah. With like the V blades, like the TST, the textured surface V blades. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So old school, like a pyro or not a pyro, uh, a Contronic Power Jazz ESC. And uh, I don't even remember what motor it was. Some something I can't even remember, but yeah, like super old school. But yeah, I was flying the logo, and then uh, I ended up winning. And then in the masters class, there was one of Mikado's like longtime pilots named Andy Rummer, uh-huh. and uh, he was competing. He ended up getting third at, in the masters class. But uh, we, you know, we kind of talked with him, and we uh, since we were we were the only two Mikado guys there, so we kind of stuck together and. I, I helped him out a little. I gave him a soldering iron and stuff. And uh, he went back uh, to Germany and told the owner of Mikado, Ralph, about me. And so a couple months after this competition, I started getting emails from this Ralph Buxnowicz guy from Mikado in Germany. And it was just like, oh, interesting. So that's how <laughs> I my first competition and how I got started with Mikado, too. Wow. So that was like, that just kind of all worked out pretty good. I mean, you yeah. didn't really have to do bouncing around like a lot of guys do. Yeah, I was really, I kind of just fell into the the right groove. So, you won, won your first competition, got your first, and is it is it only airframe sponsor to this day? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's Same like uh, it's like you married your high school sweetheart, dude. <laughs> just about right. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So now you've been, geez, you know, as I guess as we go through the years, this, the competition scene has led you all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what I kind of want to know and what I think, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners would really appreciate being a young, you know, you're a young pilot. You're a pretty quiet kid at that point. I'm guessing still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you thought you think I was shy or I'm quiet now. You should have seen me back then. <laughs> it, it was pretty nice. pathetic. I'm, I'm gonna just say it, it was pretty pathetic. <laughs> but you know what is it? What is it like 
to to have a you know basically to have these people sponsor you to travel all over the world compete show up i mean do you think that you had a grasp at that age like what it was really about and, and like do you think that you had a good handle on how big of an opportunity it actually was or did it seem kind of normal yeah back then i definitely didn't really anticipate that it would turn into what it has you know and uh it's just one of those things that you know life just takes you where it wants to and it uh, it just really worked out but yeah back then was it was like i mean it was just really cool i was excited about getting sponsors and starting to compete i'm i'm like a really competitive person i've been doing competitions and stuff um like my whole life not in helicopters but before helicopters, I actually uh, I did competitive gymnastics for ten years. Wow, dude, I yeah. did competitive gymnastics. Right on. There Seriously, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, but yeah, I I mean I and I like was pretty good at it too. I mean, I went all the way to the junior Olympic nationals and stuff. And holy cow, got to go to Camp Woodward on some special like regional. Uh, teams and stuff and yeah it was like really cool experience but that was like my first competition love sort of thing and then when I stopped doing that is right when I started doing the helicopters so you know that was my always my biggest uh, interest was competing because mm-hmm. if I'm not like practicing and working towards a goal I just get bored so at the time then I think I was mostly just happy to be competing but yeah I had no idea that it would turn into how, or it would go how it did and now turn into my job basically so that's just i mean it's just crazy to me to think that you could go take such you know such a huge span uh, of opportunity and, and cram it all into a short because i mean let, let's be honest <laughs> the uh the lifespan of a competitive helicopter pilot is not exactly big not that long, no. <laughs> no, not well, that. No. <laughs> it's getting it's getting longer because the pilots are starting younger now. But uh-huh. yeah, that's a good point. About you don't see many people above the age of twenty three winning competitions normally. Yeah, and you think that's a? I mean, just flat out hand eye coordination, or do you think life comes into play at that point? You know, I don't really know what it is. I mean, I know. When you like, I can tell with my myself that you know I just I don't practice as much as I used to. I mean, I used to practice like so much, like you know, twenty flights a day, every day, sort of thing. And you know, now it's like I don't know if I don't if I just am getting more lazy or what, but I don't practice as much. And I know eventually that'll probably start taking its toll on my flying, but or if it's just a hand-eye coordination thing or some combination thereof. I, I guess I'll have to wait and find out. But <laughs> do you do you feel like uh, Kyle, as you've progressed through your competitive stage, the uh, the maneuvers, the difficulty of the maneuvers necessary to be on top has increased? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I think back in like from when I started in like 2000, right when Flybarless and Electric came out the level of flying just went so high. Like, everybody got so much better. 
and then uh, I think right around, but everybody was still kind of doing the same stuff, just more aggressively, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. And then right in 2012, I really dedicated myself to coming up with some like really unique and different maneuvers, and I did them at the, the 3D Masters in Benlo in 2012 and ended up winning that competition and like that was probably like my favorite year of competing because for the time like the flight was i mean i'm not saying this i'm not saying this i've heard it from everybody else but the flight was like that that good and that far ahead of everybody else it just was like really rewarding that all my hard work that i put into it paid off so well, it was a big span and i don't you don't have to say it but also you blew everyone away that year I mean, th that that was, you could tell that you were just, I mean, I remember watching those flights and it was like, okay, here's everyone else. Wow. Look at the separation. It's like, it just, it felt like no one was even close. So you don't have to say it. I'll say it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just remember after I did my, uh, the first round of my freestyle flight and my freestyle, it was my favorite flight. My, I came back and my sponsor, Ralph just had like this grin to grin smile on his face came up gave me a big hug and he's just like you have team membership for life from that flight and i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like nice no nice so yeah but so that was that yeah that was the uh the first stage of the big progression of the hob or the progression of the maneuvers and stuff like you mentioned and then uh, in 2013, a lot of other people started doing some new and cool stuff, and I I tried to top myself even, and ended up winning again in 2013. So, but it, it was a closer, you know, everybody was closer together in 2013. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Do and then now the flying is just, it's so, I don't know, it's so crazy now, like, it's hard to describe it now. Everything's just so aggressive. Like the helis almost have lit, reached. I want to say they've reached their the limit of their performance, but I think something will happen. I'm not sure what, but well, you know, we've kind of talked about that for a while. I mean, for a long time, it was, you know, the guys were. Uh, we've heard Maxwell say it. We've heard. I mean, all these guys say, "Oh yeah, no, we're." It's it's the it's the flick of the sticks and we can make it blow up. So they're just riding that edge of please don't blow up. Please don't blow up. Please don't blow up. <laughs> or it, it I don't know about that. <laughs> Not well, with the Mikado helicopter. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> boy. You're right. Thor, Thor's hammer's got a little bit more margin. In it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. But now, I mean, it seems like the last couple of years, the technology, all of the manufacturers have really stepped up the game to where they're all really good and really tough helicopters. So are you guys, I mean, kind of feeling like, I mean, how does it feel right now to be a competitive pilot? What is the troublesome thing? Is it the helicopters? Do you feel like they need to catch up to you guys? Is it power systems? They just don't have enough power anymore. Or is it we're flat out of maneuvers? Um, It's... Definitely not the helicopters or the power system. I mean, the helis, I mean, you've seen them. They have way more power than, you know, anybody needs, really. 
And, you know, one thing I've noticed is, like, even if, like, I've seen some some of the new Mikado kids uh, on the team, the younger guys, you know, they have, like, their Logo 600s souped up to 2,700 RPM, and they're just going off on the things. Like, it's super aggressive. But what I've noticed is it's so aggressive and fast, but the pilot can keep up with it, but all the spectators and stuff, they don't appreciate it because they don't even understand like what's going on really. uh, yes <laughs> now now oh yes. well, we know we of course it. that makes sense because <laughs> you're talking to i mean yeah you're talking to a group of guys that that's that's how we see it well it's tough to pay attention to when you're running it at 2150 dude <laughs> yeah. so 2700 and smacking it around god we give up well and i think that's you know that's I guess if we were going to give any of you guys the best input, it's that the creativity, you know, okay. Yes, there are people who just want you guys to go out there and fly low and almost crash for four minutes. But, you know, it seems like the people who have been in the hobby for a while uh, appreciate the creativity. And we can we can see the creativity when it's done at a decent head speed. You know, if you can put your heli at 2150 and do something where I stop and I go, I don't have a fucking clue what just happened. <laughs> that is a win in my mind that and I would think that that as a, you know, to a competitive pilot, I feel like that would kind of almost be the golden nugget is how do, how do you create a maneuver that does that when everyone's flying so well? Yeah, exactly. I I mean. To me, like you said, or like I've been saying, that it's the new pilots, the up-and-coming pilots, they suffer from what I call high head speed syndrome, which is basically <laughs> just the head speed. They, you know, they, they come in with these big, powerful electrics, and they just learn to smash the sticks, mm -hmm. you know? And they don't really learn to finesse the model or do creative stuff because they just they, they smash the sticks around. And, you know, if you look at, more of the old school pilots, you know, Nick Maxwell and Kyle Stacy and me and, you know, everybody else, all the older, older school pilots who like started with nitro and stuff. Yeah. Where you had to have collective management. You had to fly the model through it. And it's like, you can really tell kind of the difference between a pilot who can finesse it and do a more technical maneuver, more flowy rather than just smash the sticks around. And I kind of am hoping that the flying style kind of reverts back a little more to that older style. Well, you know, and I, I think we were seeing that a little bit last year, but I feel like 2015, the head speed's gone up even more. Yeah, yeah. the the year it, it, of it the overspeed. It hasn't come down. <laughs> yeah, the, the year of the overspeed. Oh, yeah. Eh, man, oh, whatever. God, the overspeed. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that one. I'm, that sounds like your favorite maneuver, Kyle. I'm kind of bitter about that maneuver. I'm not going to lie. Because to the best of my, as far as I can tell, and I've had other people tell me the same thing, in 2012 at 3D Masters, I did the like first official on video in a competition overspeed. Mm -hmm. I don't, if you look at my finals freestyle flight from that year, you, you'll see it. Didn't you break half a skid on that flight? Yeah, at the end. Yep. Okay. I kind of, I kind of smashed it. 
Yeah, no, I, I remember. I finished mm-hmm. the fight. Yep. But uh, that's a funny story. I'll I'll come back to that. But anyway, so the overspeed, like, I, I didn't even plan to do that. Like, it was an accident, pretty much, because <laughs> they made a rule that in the freestyle, in the finals, your flight had to be four minutes instead of three and a half. So I had to throw in an extra 30 minutes of stuff, and I was just like, I'm just going to go high and do a big nosedive. And it ended up coming down, and I pulled out, and it just did that overspeed, and it took me by surprise, and, like, the whole crowd by surprise. You can hear them just go nuts about it. And, you know, it was cool and everything. I was kind of surprised that the heli, like, didn't just explode. (laughs) Because I'd never seen anything like that, or I'd never seen anybody do it. And But then, you know, so that was cool, and then all the other people started doing uh, overspeeds, especially, uh, you know, Duncan. He likes to do those. (laughs) <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, Duncan, the overspeed king. And I'm just like, man, I didn't even get credit for my own move. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I would, uh, I'd give him that one because yeah. it's, I don't, yeah. We'll just, well, you can give him that one and let him love it long time. And then played <laughs> uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, no offense to Duncan. He's a fantastic pilot, you know. But sometimes when he his flights are just, you know, he takes off, he goes high, comes down, <laughs> overspeed, tick-tock, 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 go up, overspeed, and uh, it's just, yeah, I'm tired of it. I, I kind of <laughs> wait for that move. To, I'm waiting for that move to go away. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely yeah, fair. Yeah, that's fair. But I hope, I hope that the creativity does come back because, you know, for some, like, I remember probably... I've got a couple videos on my list that are just like the best to watch. And when um when you guys put out the promotional video for the Logo 800 Extreme. Mm-hmm. That video, I mean the 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 stationary flips that you did. And like you were doing some crazy reverse little funnel deals and the a- aileron TikTok, everything was so precise in that video i remember that that was the one where i was like this kid's like got this shit dialed i mean just dialed where it's i mean you had so much control so that's how we see it that's the stuff that the regular people look at and they're like yeah because it's i guess i i feel like it's an achieve it's something we feel it's actually maybe a possibility that we can do one day we're fooling ourselves. I mean, yeah, we are yeah, definitely still a reach, <laughs> but, but at, at least yeah. we feel like it's it's uh, possible. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, I, I don't want to kind of like winning the lottery. I don't want to <laughs> practice in overspeed. I mean, that's not We're something just smashing that I... the sticks, hitting the corners, yeah, going as fast yeah. as you can. Yeah. I know. I know. We were talking about it at the fun fly, Nick. Is um, you know, especially on the West Coast, it seemed like guys were appreciating more and more the technical stuff. Like when we do a big flipping, tumbling circle or something and then stop and do it the other way. It's like that was seemed to be getting the crowd going more than just. Oh, dude, when you did that, that blew everyone's mind. Yeah, yeah, because it is. It's because we're not, you know, we're not over here. Like East Coast seems like it's spitting out a lot more, you know, competitive pilots by just I don't know if it just is or that's just the way, it, but that's the way it feels like. They're always over there or kind of down south. Over yeah. here, it's more of like the 99% type people over here. So 
when we see that again, it's something that we can relate to. Like, okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Oh no, he did not just reverse that, <laughs> you know? And, and it's, well, a, and I'd also say like in our area, Nick, there are, there are very few pilots that are really capable of smacking like the true definition of the word, right? Yeah. So when, when people That's tend true. to progress to a higher skill level here, they seem to do so with more of the precision, big flowy stuff. Well, and you know what I just thought of? I don't even, I can't even remember the last time that I went out and there was a kid pilot flying. Oh, no. I mean, you think yeah. about that, Justin? Nope. Most of it. You're right, dude. It's all no. people like, you know. We're all old-ass bastards. Old, yes. Yeah. Don't lump me in that no. category. <laughs> dude. Freaking leave me out of that. Yeah. Dude, you're you're about you are, the youngest. Yep. You are officially a member of the old Right? I mean, what, you're what, you 23 now, Jesse? 24. Okay. Well, you're, as Kyle said a few minutes ago, you're now two years past ever having a snowball's chance in hell of being competitive. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. So I, now I, you I flushed, just kind of let I, your hair down and relax. I flush those dreams down the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> those are my... And you just get comfy with all the other old balls, with around. all the old guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Sounds no, maybe maybe nice. that is a part of it too. Is I think we just we flat out appreciate the flying. I mean, I when Kyle Stacy was out there and he, you know, he was bumming, man. He drove those in two and pretty much two in a row, back to back, nearly. And yeah, yeah, okay, he really yard, drove. Yard, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and when I was talking to him, I'm like, man, you kind of just got to, you don't have to fly absolutely on the deck. I mean, I'm out there nervous for you. I don't want you to crash. Whereas in some things, it's like the guys are cheering for you to crash. And like Dan, like, yeah, like, well, like <laughs> that's Dan, what Dan yes. does. <laughs> that's what Dan is doing. Yeah. But I mean, over here, it's like, no, 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 man. Enjoy your flying. Because that's really what we want you to do is enjoy yeah. your flying. So speaking about enjoying your flying, how how is it being, I mean, still relatively a kid and showing up at these big events? Like, so they let's say they fly over to an event. Mm-hmm. We've poked fun of it. And I want to know, like, see your side of it. You go over to this event. You are there by your sponsor standards to just fly. You go out, you do your demo, you, you wave your hand, you, you smile, you hold up your heli. I mean, is that really all that they are expecting of you guys? And are is that like an okay thing? And how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, obviously that's one part of it, but I mean, there's also you're you're supposed to help people if they have questions and all the normal stuff like that. But you know, at the at the at the root of it, it is basically like that. You're going over there to fly and to promote the products. Um, I know. I don't know how this is going to sound, but like with me in my case with Mikado, like when I go over there, you know, I'm kind of I'm representing. The company and I'm just I don't know the best way to say it but just kind of like being there like it just brings uh, the event uh, I'm trying to find the words to not and not sound too cocky but no it no, just, no. It, it brings the caliber of the event the up. event up yeah. yeah I think that's so fair. 
I know, like, there's been some events in Europe, like some competitions and stuff in Europe, where, like, Mikado doesn't even want me to go over the, there to fly. They just want me to go there just to be there, you know, not judge, not do anything, just go over there and be there. You know, maybe do a demo here or there, but it's mostly just being able to say the fact, like, oh, yeah, and we have Kyle Dahl here, and it's like, yeah. oh, cool. You know, I think when it as, when it starts, I'm like, when I was coming up through the ranks and stuff, it was all just, you know, you're going there, and you're flying and waving your hand, and that's pretty much what it was. And then now it's more of just a, you know, you're going there just to, uh, yeah, to show them a face. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a figurehead. It's a PR trip. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. people. Let's let's not, uh, you know, mince words. People associate Kyle Dahl with Mikado and vice versa. So that's that's a reasonable expectation. And that's got to be pretty hard. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, and and like we know, you're pretty quiet by nature. That's got to be kind of is it was it uncomfortable at all doing that uh i mean yeah there's a few times when i i got pushed out of my comfort zone but it kind of worked out for the progression like when i was like super shy i didn't i just kind of kept my head down and i just flew and like if you talk to a lot of people a lot of people thought i was like an asshole because i just i didn't really talk (laughs) to anybody i just did my own thing and it it wasn't because i was an asshole i just I was just like super shy and quiet. And then now, you know, I, I've gotten a lot better and I, I come, I've come out of my shell. So now it's as I started becoming more and more that, that face figure, I became more and more personable and stuff. So it never was really super awkward because the, the progression went hand in hand. So, okay. Cause yeah, that's something that we know. And I mean, you know, you and I had this conversation at the fun, fun fly too. Uh, it's, it's a big thing. And I think to to lengthen that time span that you get to have as a pro in the hobby is very directly related to how personable you can be. Cause at, at yeah. some point, like you yeah, said, well, there's always going to be some kid that's going to come along. That's going to be able to fly mm-hmm. better period. Yep. So uh, you just have to find other ways to make yourself valuable. Yeah. Really Social what, what skills. It comes down to. When you, yeah, when how, you can't how fly, can you, you got to find another way. Exactly. Yeah, and that's been, I think, something that the hobby's really been, I think it's something that the hobby's been missing. And Well, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these guys, big name guys, just seem to drop off the map. It's like Well, and there hasn't now. been when, any wonder. real life starts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's just, or if they don't drop off the map, they're still at events, but you don't see them walking around and shaking hands and talking to people. They kind of keep to themselves, yep. which is, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I think probably what a lo- some of that is, I mean, I can't speak for the pilots, but just what I can think of is that, you know, they're, they're getting more and more tired of just the scene and they just want to go to the events for themselves or something. I, I don't know how it is really. But. No, that's, hey, we get yeah, that. Now, that's an interesting concept because, you know, you talked, Kyle, a little bit about how uh, at first, as you were progressing, you were doing mostly just keeping the head down and flying for the company, and now you're doing more of the just being there and hanging out. Uh, you know, after all these years, which of those do you prefer? I mean, do you still get out there at an event and get a little nervous or melancholy about the flying and think, you know what, I'd rather just kind of hang back and show them a face? 
Uh, I'm still kind of like 50-50, I think. Uh, I, I still really enjoy flying and stuff. I mean, sometimes I don't want to, and I just kick back and relax and be the face part. But then on the flip side, like, I've had a couple times at some events, uh, you know, my, my my sponsor, it was at one show called uh, Rotor Live in Germany. Mm-hmm. Ralph mm-hmm. printed off a bunch of cards with my picture on it and had me sit down and just do, like, an autograph signing thing. And I was sitting there for, like, an hour just signing my name on cards as because you know, people would, like, just come in and having me sign and just wanted to shake my hand and stuff. And it's, like, that sort of stuff. I it's I'm not about that, but it's you know part of the the responsibilities. But so somewhere in between that and then just keeping your head down and flying, that's I I kind of like to live in the middle. I think. Do you, do you guys ever get to just? I mean, do you ever just wish like when you're in an event where it's like, would you people please just leave me alone so I can fly and be one just, of the normal I just guys? Fit in, yeah, yeah, fit I just, in and be one of the normal dudes. I mean, does it? Does it bother you when, and I, I mean, I think it's okay to say this. I don't think it's disrespectful to anyone, but does sometimes you wish that when you went up to fly, there wasn't 10 people that went up behind, I mean, snuck up behind you to try and video or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, at times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you're kind of so used to it that you just kind of accept that that's how it is, mm-hmm. you know, but like at Urcha, um, me and Kyle Stacy and Bobby usually and everybody, we stayed till Sunday. Which I don't know if you've ever been to Urcha. I know some of you have, but on yeah. Sunday it's like dead. Oh. Like <laughs> Yeah. It's gone. Somehow it, yeah. it just clears out. And there's nobody there. And then on that day we call it just Sunday fun day. And we just go out and stay on the flight line the whole day and just fly and fly and mess around and hang out. And it's like those are like the best days. So it's like with that yeah, I, I would say that it's nice sometimes to not have somebody behind you or whatever. Because I know at some events, like, if I want to, like, if I just, just built my helis or just fixed it, and I just want to, like, go out and test fly it, you know, I'll walk out to the line, and there'll be people will start crowding around, and it's like, I just, I'm just going out to, like, test hover the thing, you know? and But people expect you to just go out and do a show, and it's like, sometimes you just want to have a moment to yourself but you know it's just the part of the game so you can't really complain about it but yeah i guess to answer your question sometimes i guess uh we would uh, appreciate a little uh space but it's nothing that we're not used to yeah no that's fair hey kayla would you mind uh charging up my batteries while i pack up all my helis and other gear so we can head out to the field I would love to, if I could figure out how to work this charger. It's so confusing. You really need to get yourself a new one. (laughs) You don't have to tell me twice. I know exactly what I'll get. I'm going to head over to revelectrics.com to order myself up a brand new dual PowerLab 8 charger. With the pre-programmable menus and the endless customization, it's extremely fast and easy to charge nearly any battery. Thank God. Okay, so this year, uh, this year was pretty interesting from the competition scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. 
So th- this was from the people, from those of us who weren't at Urcha, it was all extremely confusing. And from what we heard from the people who are at Urcha, it was just a complete and total, basically a kind of a cluster shit. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would die to know as comfortable as you feel talking about it. I, I want to know, like, the one. Give me the lowdown on it. Uh, I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. So, the one over the years has become more and more of a who can do the coolest show mm-hmm. than the coolest flight. Well, let's start you know? with that. Is that something that you like or you don't like? Yeah, because it, it's really embedded with parlor tricks now, which. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a spectator standpoint, are really entertaining. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what is your feeling as a pilot? I think if you can do the tricks, um, the parlor tricks and stuff, and not have it interfere with your actual flight, like still have a completely technical flight to the music that's entertaining and everything, while doing the parlor tricks on top of that, I think that's the the best balance. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, and that's that's what I tried to do. I mean, in my routine, I had I tried to I knew you're gonna have to have a lot of tricks. I mean, starting all the way back to 2013 was the first year I flew with uh, streamers on one of my helis. Yeah, and you know it it was like really cool, and I probably one of the things that uh, made me win it because you know I was the only person who did any sort of gimmick that year. Mm-hmm. And then after that year, people started doing more and more tricks. In 2014, Kyle or Stacy had the the parachute thing, yeah. which was that was super cool. And then so this year, I knew that you know probably a lot of people were gonna have tricks and stuff. So I tried to have a lot of tricks and um, you know some cool stuff that, and then work it into the music so that it was still a seamless flight just with the tricks added in on top of that. And that was quite an undertaking and a, a lot of work. And but... do, you, do you think, you know, because uh, us here on the show, we've had this discussion and numerous kind of forums out there has, has been the discussion where, I mean, I actually kind of feel bad for you guys because now here's a competition that, I mean, is it really fair for the guys that have to travel to go there? Because, I mean, the, like you said, the tricks are getting bigger. They're more, you know, they're they're physically, they require more components, more parts. And how yeah. could someone that's traveling outside of the U.S. E- even have a chance at at competing and in, in winning it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tough like that. I mean, I, I like the idea of having the tricks and stuff, but I think it's it's gone a little too far. Um, as far as how much it relies on the tricks versus the flying. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to downplay them because like they're, they're awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're of awesome, course. Yeah. It, but I, I feel bad, you know, because it's like me being someone who likes to, you know, build stuff with my hands. I'm going, okay, I, I understand and can appreciate the time and the money that goes in to getting all of this stuff ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's a so much, uh, freaking preparation and like literally everything that could have went wrong like in preparation went wrong 
Like, <laughs> I I can't tell you how many helis I crashed and then yeah had to rebuild and fix and in the preparation of this thing and but you know it, it was it's part of the game you know I, I'm used to it so so yeah I had the a bunch of different effects I had the one a heli that just had a uh, basically like a box underneath that had a lid that came off and it was filled with uh, baby powder actually. <laughs> And I came down and did a, did a nosedive and dropped the box, and it made, like, this huge smoke plume and started doing pogos and stuff behind the smoke, and the heli was disappearing in the smoke. It looked, it was, I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And then I had another a heli. It was actually, I don't know how I came up with this idea, but I put an, an Invertix, a multi-rotor, on the bottom of one of my helis, and then went up, <laughs> went up super high and did a blade stop and then turned the quad on and then the quad like kept it level and slowed the descent down so it kind of was just like hovering around a little bit that was cool yeah it was it was just neat it was just like a like you said just a parlor trick sort of thing and then uh a catapult that was probably the biggest under that was great i <laughs> love the catapult <laughs> yeah uh you know i had some other ideas that didn't work out in the flight like uh i originally had a sheet that was covering the catapult and i was intending to pull the sheet off with another helicopter but that didn't work in in the competition because the mount because the release for the thing failed and uh yeah originally i just had this the sheet a string tied from the sheet to the helicopter and i would rip it off and then land but then the day before the competition I did that, and then a wind gust came and whipped the sheet around into the blades and completely <laughs> annihilated the helicopter. Oh, dude. <laughs> Jeez. And it was the heli that had the, the flower pot. I call it the flower pot, but the, the box with the baby powder on it. So not only did it destroy the helicopter, it completely destroyed the, the box that I had with the baby powder. So we were up till like, uh, you know, 4 a.m. I think, working on helis, rebuilding and fixing the box thing, and then uh, yeah, and then the next day we went out to test it, and I had uh the es one of the ESCs blew up, so then I had to replace that, and then I had a heli that I was that I was been flying forever, like I picked it up and it just had this super bad vibration. Like, I had no idea what it was. So we brought it back. I changed the main shaft, the tail shaft, um, and still just had this huge vibration. Out of desperation, I just, I changed the blades. And then the vibration went away. So it's just like, <laughs> for whatever reason, the blades just decided to go out of balance overnight. <laughs> and so, you know, it was just a lot of stuff. It honestly kind of like, ruined the urcha for me because all of my time was spent thinking about the one competition uh-huh and then you know the competition rolls around and you know uh everything went pretty well that it wasn't flawless like i said the pulling the sheet off of the catapult the the release failed and then um the catapult for whatever reason the latch that holds it down decided to fail and it kind of 
So my friends were loading the catapult up with the helicopter, and the, the release failed and actually kind of whacked my friend in the face. So that wasn't good. Oh. <laughs> but they, they bounced right back, got it on there, and then uh, launched the heli off, which was, you know, that worked perfectly. It was cool. And then, uh, yeah, did the rest of the flight. I did. So I had, I kind of divided my uh, routine into two, two sections. I had the parlor trick section, which was the, uh, the baby powder thing, the heli with the multi-rotor, and then the catapult. Mm -hmm. And then after all those, I did my the same flight that I did at 3D Cup earlier this year because I, I just really liked the flight. And at the 3D Cup competition, the, that music flight, actually, it won the round, so I knew it was a good routine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that flight went good. And, you know, it wasn't perfect, but everything went pretty good i got through it at least and then uh yeah it uh you know I, I didn't know what would happen uh i know kyle had a a lot of cool tricks and stuff or the other kyle yeah had a lot of cool tricks and stuff and uh yeah and then it came down and they announced they kind of said okay you know they they took all the scores they tallied up everything and they said okay we'll be back in a minute with the results and then they were kind of gone for you know, 10 minutes instead of just one minute. And then they came out and announced it, and they said, yeah, the winner is Kyle Dahl. And we were like, you know, yay, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, you're excited, of, right? Yeah, right? And, you know, all of the work that we put in, it's like it was worth it. It was awesome, you know? And we knew that it was going to be – we knew that Kyle Stacy was going to be the crowd favorite because he had – you know, a lot of cool tricks and the his his catapult thing was a little bit cooler than mine and everything and did you did you did you feel like you won? Did you say I got this or was it man this is gonna be a close one? Or did you have that feeling like nah he got me? I my feeling was it was gonna come down to what the judges were gonna be looking for more. Okay. To be honest I thought, I, I'll give Kyle, I thought he had definitely had the better, the gimmicks or the, the parlor tricks and stuff were definitely better. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a lot of cool stuff there. But as far as the actual flying, I mean, I felt I I was a little better there. And then like the set maneuver and stuff too, That that's 30% of your score was the set maneuver. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... I I know I know I can judge the flight and mine was pretty good and Kyle's was I mean obviously was he got through it and everything but it wasn't perfect. He's and, done better. <laughs> He's yeah. done better. How about that? Yes. Yes. I thought you know I knew it was going to come down to just what the judges were going to be looking for. So whether they were going to be looking more for the parlor tricks or more at the 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 flying of it. You know, when it came down and we won, you know, I figured, yeah, they, they looked more at the set maneuver and the, the technical side of it. You know, Kyle, Kyle had a lot of gimmicks that worked cool and were really impressive with the crowd. But, you know, I also had gimmicks and stuff, too. Mm -hmm. So I figured they, they negated it out and that it just that's just how it was. And it, it was close. I mean, they said it was like one point difference between us. So. Uh, yeah, and it, I just figured that's how the cards fell. And, uh, you know, we, we asked, after the event, we asked Andy P, like, you know, oh, why, why did you take so long to, uh, 
Andy P's the organizer. We asked him, you know, why did it take so long for you to to, to tally the scores? And he's like, oh, I was just double check, and I, I checked the scores five times. And he's like, yeah, they're, they're right. And so we were like, oh, cool, great, you know, perfect. Mm -hmm. And so, that, that lasted and, for how long? Uh, about five hours. <laughs> uh, we, uh, <clears throat> you know, my sponsors posted all over Facebook and Instagram that I'd won it. I called my family. I told them. I, you know, we were all celebrating. We were happy. I'd, uh, you know, I, I told my, the friends who were helping me, I told them that I would, uh, uh, I'd pay them 10% of the, the winnings for helping me and I'd, I'd pay them off already. And, uh, yeah. And then about five hours later, I get a text from Andy P saying, Hey, can I, can I talk to you? I, I know Andy P and I knew then that something was up. So, yeah. And that's where it, it got shitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, man. That's, I, uh, I, I can't even like, it's, it's, I just speechless about it, but. It's got to be tough, man. I mean, it's got to be tough to have. I mean, it's just, in our view, it's such an unfair emotional roller coaster for everyone. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can't even imagine how it's like, yeah, you won. And then in, it just didn't seem like they handled it all that well. You know, so then they told, uh, they pulled... Or they took me. I went over to Andy P's trailer, and uh, Kyle Stacy was there, and Andy P were there, and Nick Johnson was there, and uh, basically they started telling me that they reviewed the footage. They determined that the the sound measuring thing that they used to measure the 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 cheer of the crowd malfunctioned during Kyle's Stacy's section. And with the going back in the video, they uh, they determined that it was louder for Kyle, and with that revised score, he he won it. And my first reaction was just like, "Are are you kidding me?" Like, just all the way down to the fact that in any form of competition, whether it be you know the Olympics or whatever never do they go back and like change the scores you know yeah yeah not not Especially after not after hours. that yeah exactly five it was after different five hours i yeah. think it would be different if it was like five hours of deliberation where they're like you know what we're having a really hard time yeah coming this up with is so score. difficult we got to keep thinking they never go never back unless you never get dethroned Really, unless they find out someone cheated, you know, th then they'll then they'll pull a title from it. But never just because, oh, we judged it wrong or, oh, we counted wrong or, oh, something. Malfunctioned. And, it's, it's, and it's not even they counted wrong or they judged it wrong. It's they determined that the the sound thing using a video. And I'm like, OK, what if the video, the guy taking the video was closer to the, the goblin people instead of the Mikado people? It's like. How can you rely on a video like that to, to, you know, pull sound off of? And I was just, I argued a bunch of points, you know, and, but they had made up their mind 
or something. I know, uh, you know, I know for a fact that um, Kyle Stacy didn't have anything to do with it. I I don't believe he did. You know, he's told me he didn't. I believe him. Yeah. But I I know the people who who brought it up, and yeah, I'm not very happy with them, obviously. But uh, yeah, we are we argued with them for hours. I brought up you know every point under the sun. You know, like, yeah, just all the way down to, you know, in no form of competition will they ever change it. Like, imagine if at, like, the Super Bowl they went back and said, oh, we reviewed the footage and a ref made a bad call here, so we're going to change the results of the game. Yeah, yeah like, after the game was over. <laughs> yeah. After the game was over. No way. Not going to happen. And they're like, well, um, yeah, they're like, well, we have to do this. And it's just like, you you if you think you have to do this like i don't know why you think you have to it's not i don't know yeah it's right you know i asked did him, they talk just, at all about maybe i mean you know it's it at that point you're far from ideal right yeah. but to to sort of you know save face and keep it a little bit more clean was there any talk of splitting it at least or was it just I, we're overturning the decision completely and that's it? I actually I brought up that point. Um, I was like, if you guys like seriously feel like you have to do this, like, like I'll, you know, I'll try and work with you, split it with Kyle, whatever you want to do. Like, just don't do this because I it just I couldn't at the time I couldn't even like handle it. Yeah, and uh, but they didn't. The people who um, were in charge of the decisions had made up their mind, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I, I, uh, I argued so many points, and I don't know how many of them I want to get into here. But there's so many things like with Andy P. One phrase that you'll get used to hearing is the phrase "a loophole." Uh. So. Like the fact that Kyle Stacy used fireworks in his routine. In every year past of the one competition, firework pyrotechnics have not been allowed. And this year, Kyle asked if he could use fireworks, and Andy P got authorization from Urcha and the AMA and everything for Kyle to use fireworks, but then neglected to tell any of the other pilots. That they could use fireworks, or they yeah, you could use fire. Or oh no, dude! And and it's like honestly, I think that was one of the things that really swayed crowd in Kyle's favor. I mean, he, his his box where he shot the heli out. I mean, it was cool and everything, but when you see fireworks like stuff exploding in the air, it's like you automatically like you know clap <laughs> like yeah, that's plus one, awesome. yeah. you know, plus one exactly, you yeah. know. So and, let me ask. Then, uh, let me ask yeah. you this, because I mean, you guys, you and Kyle go, you guys go back, and you're mm -hmm. very yeah, obviously friends outside of this. And, and I mean, mm -hmm. from us on the outside, that's what I see as being the worst thing. It's like you know, you got how could you be assholes and make? Because <laughs> no offense, I still view you guys as kids. You know, even though I know you're not, but in comparison, it's like how how could you make these two friends? You know. These two kids that have kind of grown up in this hobby together. How could you put them through this? Do you think that it's a case of Justin and I have had this conversation before? 
this hobby is, at the end of the day, grown men playing with toy helicopters. I mean, it really is. So, do you think it's a case of where? Oh, it, I, I I don't know about that. Well, I mean, for us it is anyway. Okay, yeah, for you guys. For us yeah. it is, yeah. But do you for, think it's something that they're just not prepared? That it's something that's bigger than them now. The people that are doing it, uh, that are putting these events on, and it's they're just not. Uh, maybe I, I, I don't fully grasp either that yeah. or maybe they're just not qu- the guys that are doing this just aren't qualified. That's a term that Justin, you of I have used a lot. Why? Oh, there's a schload of lack of, you know, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> when someone comes out with a helicopter, it's like, oh, well, Joe Schmo pilot designed this. Well, just because you can fly doesn't mean you can make shit. Yeah, yeah, you can't make shit. Yeah. I mean, you can fly. Do you think that's a case of like this? Comp- these competitions are getting so advanced, so so intricate, and people are putting so much into them that the judging and the layout behind them is not a step ahead of the competition, and they're just not prepared enough or professional enough? I don't know how much of it is that where they're not prepared and not professional but i do think that especially with how the the hobbies evolved and the level of flying i think it's just straight up like hard to judge around like mm-hmm. i i've tried to you know sit in the judging chair and it's like it's it's hard to keep track of all the people and everything so it's i think the current judging format and the judging the competition scene, it's it's not the best way to determine the top pilot in my opinion. Yeah. But so I know it's difficult and like that's another point that I brought up with the the uh with Andy P was like, okay, you went back and reviewed the sound score um for the flight. It's like did you have the judges if you're gonna review that the sound score, it's like did you have the judges go back and watch the flights and see if they wanted to get a second uh, a second view and just see if they felt the same way about it and stuff like that. It's a fair point. Yeah. You know, it's like, to me, it's when you watch the videos, you know, um, you get a second take on it and yeah, I don't know, but they, they didn't want to have anything to do with that. They, like I keep saying, they, they'd made up their mind and that was that. And like, even Kyle Stacy, when we were talking about it, he like straight up, told him he's like i don't want you guys to do this like it's not right you know um i don't i don't a i don't want to affect my relationship with with me kyle yeah and then and b it's he's like i'd rather you guys just leave it alone you know and the but they just they wanted to do what they wanted to do see that that that's frustrating to me. I mean, it would be one thing if you guys weren't close friends and Stacy was like, screw this, I won, and you were fighting against it or whatever. But when both people are like, guys, you're crazy if you want to turn this around and they still do it for some reason, I don't know. I mean, maybe they seem to think that they... I I, I don't know what would have motivated that. Well, did they... I, did they think that people would look down upon them if they didn't? Because I'll be honest, from an outsider's perspective, we're looking down upon them because it was just such a huge clusterfuck in the way how unprofessionally it was. It was. I mean, yeah, I mean, more than more than and, and Nick, I'll expound on that a bit. It's it's more than just, 
okay, you know, we, we had to overturn the decision or it took us as long as it did. Or, you know, now that it comes out that they seemingly didn't listen to anyone's input, I feel terrible about, about the whole thing, how it went down for you and Kyle Stacy. Now that you've described it, I mean, it's, it's obvious that it was a big deal to you guys, that it was impactful. I mean, you mentioned in the whole description of your preparation, you spent a whole shitload of time getting ready for it. You're running into issues right up until the last minute, staying up late to get ready. And then all of this goes down. Um, and so, yeah, that man, I, I, I do not envy the position of anyone involved in the entire situation. But I, I got to, you know, taking a step back and thinking about how the one has progressed. And you had mentioned that years ago when it got started, you thought it was a little bit more focused on the the precision of the flying routine itself and not so heavily weighted towards the parlor tricks. And now in the last year or two, that's become a huge portion of it. And and I got to wonder you know, for the future of the competition, what direction they think they're going to go. Because after hearing your account, um, I mean, you felt really strongly about your technical flying and it sounds like, and and I'm going to, I'm going to admit that I don't know all the details behind it here in terms of the percentages of judging, but it sounds like the judges put a fair amount of emphasis on the technical portion of the flying the freestyle routine outside of the set maneuver, right? How, how much do they put against that? Uh, the way the scoring's broken down is uh, 30% is the set maneuver, and then uh, 50% is the freestyle portion of it, and then the other 20%, that's the crowd section of it. Okay, so here's here's where I'm going with this. Uh the the results come out you think yeah. that you uh you know it, it may have been close but you felt like putting every stacking everything up against each other you versus kyle technical versus parlor tricks okay you came out on top great um i i was there personally uh in the crowd and watching and everything and i can tell you when the announcement went out i think a lot of the crowd felt mm-hmm. like holy crap how did Kyle Stacy not win? And I'm not yeah, bear with me. I'm not bringing that up to, to downplay the situation, but what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do is illustrate the, the difference in perspectives. And that is we've got 50% that the judges are putting against technical moves and by all rights. And I agree. I think your routine was more technically uh, clean uh, than Kyle's was. But only 20% goes to crowd. The crowd, I don't think the crowd sees it that way. No. No, of course not. You know, I think the crowd goes to the one thinking, I want to see the biggest, craziest shit that these guys can come up with. The multi-rotor stuff. Duncan's uh, cutting the streamers with the two helis hovering next to you. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. And so... When <laughs> I'd love <laughs> to hear it sometime. Funny story the the the, thing, the yeah. point is though that uh, I think it's unfortunate that the pilots and it also seems like the judges 
are still there performing as professionals with the precision and and the uh, the difficulty and maneuvers. And it's broken down to the point where the crowd really only gives a crap about crazy stuff and carnage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the big disconnect. And I feel like Andy P and the other guys who are running this, if they're going to keep doing it and they better come up with a good way to clean things up for next year, if they don't want to mark against them, um, then they're going to have to come up with a way to even that or to balance Mm -hmm. that out. Cause that's the crowds always going to want to see the crazy stuff because they can't appreciate half of the technical shit that you guys do. And if the judges aren't aligned with that, then we don't have a good competition, plain and simple. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what's what is going to happen with that. I can just tell you that I won't be a part of it. <laughs> I I'm never doing the competition again. And then I can speak for I'm not going to say names, but I can speak for a couple of the other pilots who they've said that they're not going to do it again just because it's. Just because of what happened and where the competition's gone, it's. I I kind of hope it's the last year, and if they do keep going with it, I I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but I'm kind of washing my hands of it. Would it be honestly. something? Would it be something you would reconsider if it was like completely? If they did some major house cleaning, maybe it was put on by different people and or a completely different format or something like that. Totally skill-based as opposed to tricks? Uh, I mean, maybe, but I, I don't think, I don't see that happening. Yeah. And the, the one competition, it's it's not, the crowd never thinks of it as skill. You know, it, it's always going to be more of the, the tricks and the who can put on the best show, I think. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, there's no problem with that. It's just, it's just not a good, it's gone too far, I think. And that I think it's it's gone so far that it, it can't come back from it now. So yeah, it's already been tainted the yeah. whole well, concept. And and I can I mean I can see it because for something that's in in the crowd's mind based on just entertainment factor, that means you guys have to put so much again time and money and, mm-hmm. and creativity into building all this stuff, getting all this help. You can't just go out and practice your flying like you're competing at 3D Masters. That involves you, and if you have someone maybe graciously helping you wrench enough. Yeah, exactly. But everyone, it's such a a burden on the entire, you know, I use the term family loosely, but the Mm -hmm. groups of support that go with each pilot to go there and not have it be cleanly judged. It's just, to me, it seems very disrespectful to everyone. And, And to not even explain it, to the crowd i mean i don't think to be fair i don't think that anyone there sitting in that crowd has a clue how it's judged Mm -hmm. so and that's yeah and yeah they just don't get it like you know the the crowd portion like i I said is it's 20 percent. you know the set maneuver is worth more than the crowd portion and the crowd doesn't know that and they just think they see what they think is the best and they think that's what should win and then if like you like when like you said when it came out originally that I'd won the crowd wasn't happy I mean and and I got that because you know I even agreed that for the crowd Kyle had a much a better flight you know mm-hmm. but as far as how the scoring went I just 
I in my head it made sense because the crowd was only twenty percent. The whole that other eighty percent of the flight was judged on not what the crowd was looking for, but what every everybody else was looking for. So to me, it it, it could have gone either way, but it made sense to me. So yep. And and that's another thing I tried to tell Andy P. Like I'm a pretty good judge of you know what should have win, what could have win, where scores should be. Uh-huh. And you know it's like I told him. You know, like if it had been like last year, like last year, hands down, Stacy won. You know, last year at the one competition, hands down. If it had been like that this year, I'd have handed him the trophy. You know, but I just I had the reasoning in my head as to, you know, what what I thought it could have been. It could have gone either way, but it came out this way, and you know, so I just didn't. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Wow, if that makes sense. Well, no, yep. it does. Sorry, you had to go through it, man. I know that it's in sitting down and and talking with Kyle Stacy about it. He, it's just it, it's just it was such a bad thing yeah. for the yeah. pilot. This was not, and that's the thing. You guys took the guys who put the most heart into it, regardless of who technically won. The guys who put all the time and heart into it were the ones that got the shit end out of the stick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that sucked. But I'm I'm also really glad that that you guys were you know the friendship is is deeper than than any one competition because I heard that you guys were out there flying together on Sunday. Yeah, I mean it was a little awkward to start. I'm not gonna lie, but oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but and then yeah, but you know I I I never. I never thought Kyle had anything to do with it. Um, there were certain people I thought had something to do with it, and I found out that they didn't, and I found out the people who, who did have everything to do with it, and it's just, it makes sense to me now because those people who did have the things to do with it, it's so typical of them, so I'm not even, like, surprised anymore, but it's just such a, like you said, it's just such a shitty situation. Dirty. Yeah. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Dirty. <laughs> dirty yeah but yeah you know and they they kept trying to say like well we have to do this to save the event and it's like but by doing this you're gonna ruin the event you so, have cratered the event yeah yeah it's the exact opposite so i don't know it's just yeah it's a terrible situation but well you know if if kyle if kyle should have won then you know more power you know, then that would have been fine. If it, it came out that Kyle had won, I'd have, I'd have accepted it, you know. Because, you know, yeah, I, I could have had my reasonings as to why I thought uh, mine was better or whatever, but I would have accepted it. And just like I know when I won, Kyle, the other Kyle, accepted it. Like, yeah, okay, I thought my flight was better, but, you know, Kyle had some good stuff like that. We both had the same logic, and mm-hmm. so I know neither one of us like if Kyle had won, I wouldn't have gone to complain, and I know that since I won, Kyle didn't go to complain. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the other people who were involved. So, so did it did it taint competitions in general for you, or just that one? I mean, do you look do you look forward to going and competing, uh, you know, at, at other competitions on a more technical level? Over the last couple of years, competition for me has been just competition in general has been kind of more, and more tainted if i'm going to be honest oh, that's Cause, how we roll here dude because <laughs> i mean i it just more and more often 
I just not just me who disagrees with the results, but like other people who tell me like I have no idea what what the judges were looking at or whatever. And I think just I'm not a, a huge fan of the current competition, the format and the judging style and everything. So for me, it's it's becoming a little more and more difficult. But we'll see how it evolves. I, I'm not sure. Well, you know, I guess every industry it seems like kind of goes through this. They have a couple really bad things on the judging side that happens and it it taints the view of the of kind of the whole that part of the industry. And you know, people go in and clean house and I mean, they've got a there's there's money riding on all of this. There's jobs, there's anything. They can't mm-hmm. they can't just not do competitions and if they get to the point where none of the pilots want to go and then they're screwed. <laughs> then they're they're really really screwed because it, it doesn't just ruin their hobby. I mean, it ruins the hobby for everyone. And then you know, new stuff comes along. I mean, we kind of uh, you know we get that because around here, you know, we in talking with people, you know, oh wow man, we're just really worried. Our attendance is down. Our attend oh our attendance this and that. And we're going like shit. I don't know. We just had more people at our our, our attendance just just went, went up. Oh, no. But you know what? Maybe maybe it's because people need to start looking at things a little bit different. Go back to just having fun because it's a hobby and because that's why we got to do it. And you know, God, the politics and in the people. Yeah, maybe it is time terrible. for a new generation to the hobby because mm-hmm. got a whole lot of like Planker syndrome going on in here. And, <laughs> Uh, (laughs) you know they spend more time bickering and worrying about the politics than they actually do about the flying so i don't know yeah just Uh, yeah it'll be interesting i mean i know just as an example you know people keep blaming like the the organizers or the the competitions themselves like you know there was 3d masters and ben low and then that went away because of nobody liked the organizers and the format and everything. And then they came back with Heli Masters, and then that lasted a couple of years. And then it went away because nobody liked the format and the judging and everything. And then now this year there was the uh, the 3D Cup in France, which was supposed to you know fix everything and you know um, be the best or, or be a new sort of competition and same sort of thing us speaking as a competition pilot it was the same sort of stuff you know um we didn't agree with the judging and the how the event was run and everything and so it's it's not i don't think it's the the events that are the problem or the organizers it's just the format it's it's not a a good format anymore so it will be interesting to see what happens with that um I, i i like don't even really know what would be a better format, but I think something needs to change. Yeah. Cause like you said, you've, you've done it and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be tough. Yeah. That'd be tough. Well, Hey man, thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for, thanks for spilling it all out. I know you had that. <laughs> yeah. I know you bottled I, that up for quite and a it while. It couldn't have been I, easy. Yeah. I was trying, I mean, when it all came out, it's like part of me wanted to make a big stink about it, you know, go on the forums and write about it and stuff, but it just would have came off as, you know, I was whining about it sort yeah, of yeah. thing. But I, you know, I think, I knew that talking on the show, uh, 
I know you guys just kind of like tell it how it is, and so I figured it was a good place to just kind of talk about it. <laughs> well, that's good. You're you are as far as we're concerned, you're always welcome. Uh, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and giving us the, you know, the other side of it because we just, I mean. Uh, what we see is yeah, what's we, on the forums and in the, the Facebook posts, and and you hear all of the dirty stories, but it's you know it's tough for me. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> and it yeah. makes all the yeah. difference in the world. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, again, thanks yep. for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's a it's a late Friday night, so we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. I was just uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm like right in the process of uh, I'm actually kind of switching gears and doing an airplane competition next oh, week. Oh, jeez. Oh. So uh, that's pretty much what my life's been for the last couple of weeks. But yeah, the only thing I was doing tonight was fixing my airplane because it tried to kill itself today. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, the most important question is, are you having fun doing it? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, today I didn't have fun. Well, but... no, okay. <laughs> After it's fixed and when you're flying it. As a whole. I'm having fun. Well, that's all that matters, man. You know, like like we said before, sometimes, you you know, you kind of just want to get away to it and fly under the radar. And it's like, I can't do that with helis, so I'm going to go do that with airplanes for a little bit. Just kind of go there. Nobody knows who I am in the airplane world and just kind of show up and do my thing and see what happens. Yeah. For fun. Nice. Well, good. Sweet, dude. Good, Good. Awesome. Yep. All right, man. We're gonna let you go. Thanks again for coming on. We uh, yep. we we appreciate yep, no it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, dude. We will catch you later. All right, later. As you know, 2015 has been a big year for BK Designs. They've grown tremendously and are now distributing BK servos, switchblades, and Spartan flybarless systems. Bert and Susie provide top-notch customer support, and we're honored that they've chosen to help support us here at RC Alienation. As if that wasn't enough, they've decided to say thank you to all of our listeners for the support you guys have given them. If you head over to www.bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN, you'll find a special page just for our listeners where you will receive 20% off of your next order. Thank you again to BK Designs for being so generous to the listeners of RC Hilly Nation. And again, that's www.bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kyle, for joining us. Great interview, guys. What do you think? Oh, what a blast. Yeah, it it's a lot of fun to hang out with Kyle. He is just a down to earth cool dude. I feel like the well, the boy uh, had some had some stuff to get off his chest. He yeah, he <laughs> I agree. Saying, and I'm I'm glad there. he felt comfortable well, being able to do that, you know? I just like I mean, we don't get to hear that perspective very often. So it's always you know, it's always a treat to just kind of listen in and observe and and hear that side of the hobby that a lot of us don't, some never get exposure to. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great interview. Thanks again, Kyle, for coming on. Uh, you're welcome anytime. And, and we appreciate it. We appreciate you coming to the fun fly. What a freaking blast. Anyone who missed that fun fly, you guys are listening. <laughs> so, chumps. 
No way. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. We're growing it. We're going to make it bigger. We're going to make it better. And we are going to have more fun uh, than we did last year. So you better start planning. Butter up those wives right now. (laughs) Cool, boys. Well, let's get out of here. It's been a long one. Oh, yeah. Um, Justin. Yes. If I wanted to get a hold of you, how would I do that? <laughs> you would send me an email to Justin at rchelynation.com. Awesome. Or, Just, oh, oh, or, oh, or there's, oh, multiple there's another option or Facebook under Justin Pucci. And I've got to, I, I got to apologize. It's been super busy lately. I'm backed up to like. I can't even count the number of emails, so I really apologize to those of you who are emailing me. And it's got to be like 25 or 30 Facebook messages. So just hang in there. I'm going to get back to you. I promise. We're we're trying to get life back to normal after <laughs> the fun fly. Yeah. It takes a little while. Uh, Jesse, how would we get a hold of you? You could send me an email to jesse at com, or catch me on Facebook as well. Cool, and if you guys need to get a hold of Dan, that's dan at rchelynation.com. Send him an email, send him a message on Facebook, tell him to quit playing with himself and eating Cheetos and get back on here and get better. Um, Ken, you can contact Ken for any of your citizen card questions or store questions. We do still have um, some apparel in stock. We sold a shload of it at the fun fly. <laughs> yeah. People definitely oh God. Unloaded. optimized on that situation. So um, as we get settled back in, uh, you know, who knows? We might be putting some stuff on like sale. We might be adding some more stuff, but um, get it right now while we still, while we've got it. If you have mm-hmm. any questions for us uh, that you'd like to have us talk about on the air, you can send that to questions at rchelynation.com. Uh, we'll see if we can't get that handled for you. If you need to get in touch with me, you can get a hold of me at nick at rchelynation.com or on my Facebook page. Man, am I missing anything? I am. Yeah, I, got, I got one more thing. Oh, yeah, me too. Go ahead, Jesse. I was just going to say this last week a newsletter came out. So just be sure if you guys don't subscribe to that, check it out. It's just kind of a, I don't know, I kind of like to treat it as a monthly snapshot of uh, kind of what's going on with the podcast, recap the last month, and give you a little preview of what's coming up in the future. So great way to just kind of stay in touch and see what's going on. Justin? Yeah, my thing is the Gowie R5 is going really well, and I am starting to look at finalizing the review. So I'm not going to give you an episode number yet, but I'm going to say it's probably in the next handful of them. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Oh, that brings me to two more. Uh, we have a photo album of the Fun Fly up uh, on yes. Facebook. Jesse got yes. that put up there. So yep. look through it. Tag yourself. Tag all the people that you know. Share it as much as you would like. Uh, we encourage it. Because of what we are going to work on and do over the course of this winter on our uh, on our website, um, we're not going to have a photo album up there for a little bit just because it's it adds to the workload. So go ahead and mm-hmm. share that around now, uh, for now. In conjunction with that, 
we've got a really badass friend up here in the Northwest. Extremely talented. Not only a talented pilot, but this this guy's getting really good at cinematography. Lottie Prosek created his own trailer video for our fun fly. Really cool style. It's actually, it's a little more of like a documentary. Yes, you even get to see us in there, um, you know, talking with the Kyles and some other people that were there at the fun fly. Lottie did an amazing job in, in this video. If, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm just getting started to where I'm going to have some time to start working on our trailer video that we put together. I, I'm feeling a little like, oh, crap. I mean, he did such an... Inc- he turned it around pretty quick. He turned it around <laughs> fast, and he, I think that, you know... And usually it's quality. With, uh, well, and it's, it's good, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, with a lot of trailer videos, it's flying, flying, quick little blurb, flying, flying. I think that this is probably... He captured the essence of the event better than anyone that I've ever seen. And I'm almost going to say right now, I know for sure better than I did. So um, look for that on our Facebook page. We've got it up on the Heli Freak forum. And um, we'll actually have a shortcut on the homepage of the website for it. Please give it a look, watch it, share it. If you're on Facebook, uh, send Lottie. Lottie a message and be like, dude, Brock on, you did great. It, it really was awesome. <laughs> and he did it just because he likes to do it. So we really, really appreciate that. Yep. And in the future, be looking for another one. We're just having fun. I mean, we just want to make it bigger. Have fun. Let everyone know about it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. I do have one more thing, dude. Oh, jeez. I know. Oh. But this always happens Oof. to us. I don't know why. But uh, uh, uh. so... You know, as as the fun fly season is winding down in most of the country where we don't uh, get an opportunity to fly year round like the warm warm weather dicks. dicks. Of course, you guys know of uh, Orlando Heli blowout, which comes up in December. But one that you may or may not have heard of is the Port St. Lucie Heli Smackdown. This is their fifth year doing it. It's in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, Friday, November 6th to Sunday, November 8th. And I just wanted to give a shout out. Uh, Todd McLaughlin, among uh, a few others that we know, uh, are uh, the organizers of that event. They do a good job of putting that on and getting a lot of people excited about a late season fun fly down in the south. We've never been to it before. Who knows? Maybe we'll give it a visit uh, here eventually. But uh, for those who are interested, check it out. Port St. Lucie Smackdown, 6th through the 8th of November. And if you're there, you might actually have an opportunity to get some RC Heli Nation prize action in the pilot's raffle. Nice. Sweet. Awesome, awesome. Now I'm done. All right. Well, this has been episode number 204. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Let's get out of here. Later. See ya. Take it easy, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and spartan fly barless systems if you have any comments or questions please feel free to send us an email <laughs>